This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Brad King, thanks for uh, thanks very much for coming back on. You are in incredible form last time you were on. You tipped Kogan at about four or five bucks and since went up fivefold. And since then... I've been inundated with requests to uh, to get you back on. So thank you for uh, for finally heeding the call and, and coming back on to talk your book. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, sometimes timing is everything. I'd I'd like to like to claim that one, but definitely a team effort for from the Kogan side of things. But yeah, very very pleasing to see that for all our for all our investors. And talk to me about Armitage Cap Armitage Private. Sorry, has has your performance been for 2020? Yeah, performance has been yeah quite good actually. Um, I think a couple of things going through COVID was was certainly certainly a challenge. Um, just trying to keep investors calm and, and keep them in the right stocks that we had high conviction in. But yeah, from a performance perspective, really good, uh, beating all our benchmarks and doing it with a fair bit of cash too. So on a risk adjusted uh, return perspective, I think we've we've done quite well. And and yeah, some of those mid caps like Kogan and. And a few others have, have certainly given us a, a real boost um, for some alpha there. So really pleased with how the year's progressing. Now we'll get into the specific stock in a second, but it's going to be a turnaround story. Before we start having a look into the stock itself, what are you looking for when you, you analyse a turnaround story and perhaps how does it differ from a, a more traditional stock pick? Well, I think just making sure firstly that the bill, the company, sorry, is still relevant. So I think, Actually, this one, I'm stealing this one from Kathy Wood from ARK Investment, but um, she was basically saying that the average uh, company in the S&P used to be about 50, uh, 82 years, sorry, and now they're seeing it at around 25 and she's forecasting it to be 10 years going forward. So I think with those shortened company time horizons, whether that's because of, of M&A and certainly with cheap debt, that accelerates some of that sort of things. But with where we are in, in the cycle, making sure businesses can ride through economic cycles and, and we've just seen a, a very good example of, of where the companies uh, stay relevant. So yeah, well, I think we're looking for that. We're looking, certainly the company still has to have the financial wherewithal to be able to survive. So whether that's cash flows, getting those margins back and um, yeah, and also having the man- management to execute on the strategy is, is paramount as well. With the management team, I guess with a, a turnaround story, you, you can't look at their past performance in that stock. You're more sort of taking a leap of faith that they can deliver something new to what's happened in recent history, just going back into their historical performance for different companies and different jobs they've had play a big part of analysing them. Yeah, but you're exactly right. You can do as much work on it as, as you like, but you are taking a leap of faith. That's why I think you really just need to understand the business and it's and how it can work. So talking to the company's suppliers, making sure they're all happy with them, talking to um, the company's clients effectively, making sure that they still want to continue using their services and, and getting a real understanding of where the business can go and then listening to management strategy and, and, and working out a, a plan of attack in, in our own heads as fund managers as best we can, given that we're actually not running the businesses ourselves. And what stock do you want to talk about today? Um, so d- today is certainly a, a form of retail darling. I think at its highs it was... Well, I remember it's high been 750, but it's, wow. it did hit a, a bottom of around about four cents at, at the bottom. So, retail food group is today's stock that we're 
we're going to talk about. So certainly in terms of lost dogs, this is certainly uh, certainly up there with the best of them. And talk to me about their history, particularly, you know, what went wrong and, and maybe walk us through the, the Herald Sun expose that, that caused it to come crashing down. Yeah, it started a little bit just before the Herald Sun. So there was a, a piece on, so with the change of accounting standards and how the lease the leases of the franchisees got accounted for. Um, that really started, I suppose, some of the negativity around the share price uh, decay. And then certainly with uh, the Herald Sun expose into the franchisees, look, I think previous management was an all-out aggressive growth strategy just to get as many on board as possible so they could drive their coffee sales and and other other initiatives where that they where the head company could actually make a margin. But you know, that's okay, but it's kind of like a game of musical chairs. It works until you look around and there's nothing left. So, um, yeah, they've obviously had to endure a pain of that and getting investigated. So, I mean, the government's put in a, a task force to in 2016 to investigate uh, franchisees and, and how that's sort of all evolving to make sure that, that they get looked after because <clears throat> some of the payment conditions that management were working on some of those franchisees were, were very, very... Uh, underwhelming to say the least for the risk they were taking as business proprietors so yeah i think that's certainly it was a necessary spotlight and glad that it happened um but for the company future all the franchisees going forward just as a little stat um franchisees make up around about 10 percent of australian gdp so it's a massive number in terms of their contributions so getting this right is a is a very important step for the government and so maybe talk us through their business model a little bit, maybe walk through some of the brands that they have and how, how the model works in terms of the, the way they provide goods and, and services to those different franchisees. Yep. So starting from the food services division, that's basically been sold to, to clean up their balance sheet. Um, so really focusing on the traditional types of franchisees being your Donut Kings, um, Brumbies, Michelle's Patisserie, um, Crust and... Uh, pizza capers as well. So the business model effectively is is to drive innovations through all their their mediums, and also be able to provide services. So marketing services to get better TV deals, better radio promotion deals, um, for the companies that provide coffee <clears throat> to be able to be able to do, say, Debella and Gloria Jeans, those other coffee franchisees, to be able to do their own roasting services, and get that um, cost or cost uh, efficiencies through the network um, by doing it all in-house gives them some significant leverage that can drive down the cost of being a franchisee, but also give the, give the parent an ability to make an appropriate return for shareholders as well. And so they're in the process of cleaning up their, their business and cleaning up their balance sheet. Yep. Sold a large number of, or closed a large number of, of stores and they've sold the dairy business. How many stores have they closed? And, and are there any other business units you could see themselves. You could see them selling, or do you think they've just about reached the end of that initial cleaning up phase? I think store numbers is really hard to sort of work out what's being closed and what's being shifted. So mm. um, we probably don't really focus on that so much. But I think the key focus for the company is they've got 77 multi-store operators. So they really want to inc either increase that number or increase the number that the multi-store operator has. So. When you think of 77 out of their network, that equates to about 27% of their profitability. So I think it's a also we're not quite there yet in terms of full rationalization because we're still working through 
the impacts of COVID and what that's going to mean for the way consumers' behaviour potentially changes, or maybe it doesn't change. But certainly, we, we need a bit more time to, to evaluate that, and it's probably 12 months still from here. But yeah, I think you'll start to see more master franchisee agreements open, and um, that sort of spreads the risk for for the um, I suppose for retail food group because it's dealing with less people. Um, it's dealing with people that are probably better business owners rather than a single single owner operator. So uh, longer term, we think that that's certainly the right strategy and one we've backed. And what's their balance sheet looking like uh, post their debt restructuring? Yeah, pretty good. So they still have a little bit of debt, but um, so is it 30th June, they had about 40 million bucks, um, but they've got 40 million bucks of cash. So pretty much in a neutral position. So with the sale of those businesses, and starting to get some of the cash flow through, we think they'll still stay in a neutral position for the next half at least, um, because we still really haven't got that that store 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 reopening uh, happening as much as we would have liked. Even though Victoria, hopefully from Wednesday, starts to starts to get that rolling, but um, yeah, from the balance sheet, we're we're quite comfortable with that. So it's one good thing being an analyst, not have to worry about so much on the ca- on the um, covenants anymore, and, and speaking with the banks. But when you have a look at what the banks did, it's, it's like for a company of its size, it's almost unprecedented. It was 73 odd million of, of uh, bank forgiveness in, in those loans and 193 million of capital raised. So for raising that for a company that's, you know, cents per share, it's a big leaf of faith, faith for people. So we didn't participate in that, but they've sort of been buying at sort of those six and seven cents. So the banks didn't turn that debt into equity? No, they just forgave it, gave them, there was another 70. How do you get those deals? <laughs> well, that's why I'm very surprised that it, it happened. But I think if you have a look at the amount of bad publicity that would have given the banks, given that those franchisees are, are low income earners and they employ a lot of people, I just think the banks, they probably got the deal funnily enough because we're in a bit of a Royal Commission and they probably didn't want that negative publicity. So when you're looking at $1.1 billion in fines, I suppose 70 million across a couple of banks isn't isn't so hard to swallow. And it's got some serious, you know, it's an attractive business from a scalability point of view because there is such a large store network. Maybe talk to me about some of their recent wins in terms of synergies and what could be some potential synergies they could continue to reap over the next 12 months. Yeah, look, I think the good thing about the business is they don't have a lot of on-site um, meal preparation. It's basically all done off-site. So the bigger they get, whether that be in their baking facilities or their outsourced baking facilities, coffee grinders, uh, even agreements with Coca-Cola, Schweppes, whoever, whoever else they are, cleaning service providers, those type of things. And we haven't really even gone through the whole uh, rent renegotiation now, whether they get some traction with that that, that'll take some time to see, but they are one of the largest site number, um, yeah, basically tenancies in, in Australia. So they do have some leverage there, even though they are small small spots, they do drive a lot of foot traffic for, for the malls, which is very important. So yeah, I think those type of things, um, again, getting some of those master agreements where they don't have to deal with as many people and just reduce their corporate costs. But I think really the key thing, we've started a division called Iconico, which is basically purely a division just to deal with franchisees and making sure that they can run their business businesses more profitably, um, how they can market individually, how can, they can control and roster their staff, 
which has been quite a challenge, especially with the complex wage um, wage structure we have in Australia. So really trying to help the franchisee, which is, I think, the reason why we got behind the company in the first place. Is their ability to build their cross-promotion, if you like? They've got a lot of different brands out there. You know, Domino's is a, a company that's done that really well. Is that sort of a growth area you could see uh, RFG uh, expanding with? Yeah, look, a little bit. Uh, not not as much as, as Domino's can, I suppose. But with what, because you're focusing on different types of products, um, but they're all complementary to some degree. There's either coffee or or donuts or or pizzas or whatever so it is still convenience food where you're promoting that is probably more from the takeaway aspect of it because we're not going to have a lot of in dining just yet now we're starting to get some of that back but because they are a low cost product in terms of consumer spend you're talking most purchases under ten dollars um, we think that's going to be the, the strategy going forward really focusing on value trying to rationalize their cost profile for the business and, and making sure that customers get get a good product um, for, for an affordable price. And the market cap's close to 180 million? A bit more right. than that now. They've popped up. It's about, yeah, just under 200 now. But yeah, 2.1 billion shares on issue, which is Wowza. a yeah. paper. <laughs> and so they've got uh, about square this year, weren't they? A small net loss of about 4 million bucks. What sort of numbers could you see them doing in the next 12 to, uh, to 24 months? Yeah, look, I think I can get back to somewhere making a margin so net profit margin of about 20 percent which would be about 11 percent ROE so you're sort of looking around about making I suppose 20 to 30 million bucks net profit after tax so in that sort of environment then you're spitting out some really good cash flow numbers um, so you're able to reinvest in marketing you're able to reinvest in in um master franchisees agreements and getting more stores out there including some of their international exposure as well so yeah look going forward on a on a PE perspective it's probably sitting on about 12 times now but if you can get to that's taking a forward forward look through for where we could think the business can get to um but uh yeah look it, compared to its peers in this market that's pretty cheap but um yeah we, we're assuming that they're sort of fairly conservative numbers. There's not too much coverage on the stock at the moment. So we're only trying to do what we can. Uh, so hopefully once that foot traffic returns, that yeah, it can be trading on a much lower PE than that. And they're a good dividend payer in their, their past life. Once they do, or assuming they do get up and running again and hit those sorts of numbers, would you assume they'd be paying a, a decent chunk of that back out to investors? Yeah, just because of that cash flow profile, but we're taking a pretty long-term view. We think they might pay something small in 2023, but yeah, it, it, it's probably going to be a, a little bit of time to then. And and also just to just to make sure that everything's running smoothly. They're very conservative, and yeah, I think they'll they'll take that approach given where they where they've come from. And with the share price around sort of 10 cents, it's hard to get a lot of institutions willing to buy shares that are, have such a low price. Do you see a consolidation? potentially in play here so that it does become more institutionally attractive? Potentially, yeah. I got excited the other day. It went from trading in tenths of shares to half cents. So, <laughs> but then it came back down some sub 10. But um, yeah, look, I, I, I think that may be on the cards at some point in time. Um, for, personally, for now, I'd prefer the liquidity, so to keep that tight range. Um, but there, there may be a, a spot for that to clean up some of those 2.1 billion pieces of paper at some point in time. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised with that. 
I'm sure every banker, now that we've had a good run of bank deals, they might dry up for a little while, so they might have to get creative with some of these things. And there's a cap raising done at, at 10 cents not too long ago. Do you feel that's sort of a, a bit of a headwind that will need to be worked through before the stock can potentially re-rate and go to higher levels? Yeah, I think so. I definitely, there was a, a couple of big lines crossed sort of around that six, seven cents, and we participated in some of that. So, yeah, definitely going to hit some resistance at 10. And we saw it get there, and it was 10, 10 and a half bid, and yeah, got got knocked straight through. And, and that was with a pretty strong market. So, yeah, from uh, from the people that took up that stock, we think, yeah, them at break even, that, that will take a little while to work through. But well, that's not really the company's problem. They just need to keep doing what they're doing. And, and um, create value for customers. And, and as we reopen, hopefully that starts to drive through cash flow and, and profitability. Your executive chair has spoken about increasing the, the average spend per customer. Yep. What are some of the ways that, that they're going to look to do that? Yeah, so just trying, they're trying, they were trialing different products. So one of them, one of the types of things are different types of paninis and, and to go range. And that's probably more from the Gloria jeans side of things that they've really been focusing on that product innovation. So different types of recipes, whether it be a palmy panini or, or things like that. But yeah, trying to get that, it's around about mid $7 spends and trying to get that up to sort of the $10. So when you think about that from a cost of transaction and staff utilization, it, it makes a massive difference to group profitability if they can get that that up and and hopefully as people come back to the shopping malls they'll they'll be fairly cautious but we think the path of least resistance for those type of sub ten dollar transactions will be pretty good so we think there'll be a reasonably good appetite sorry for that pardon the pun exactly in terms of their their product offering there's there's brumbies there's pizzas in there there's donuts there most of the foods you look at through those brands are really high calorific type foods that perhaps intuitively as an investor you'd feel are facing potential headwinds as as health becomes a, a more and more important issue is that something that concerns you longer term or is it a problem for uh for tomorrow rather than today um i think it's something they need to think about i think it's less of a problem for today because they really want to focus on value mm-hmm. um so i think they'll stick with excuse me, fairly similar products to what they've got, but with some innovation of some new things to try and attract some companies, but they'll really focus on costs. Now, if we start to see the economy bounce back and, and people are comfortable with their jobs, yeah, going through that that value chain and just providing different offerings to people, I think there will still be that, I suppose, junk food feel-good factor. But yeah, I think they'll have more products available to, for consumers to diversify. I mean, if if McDonald's can go into salads, I'm sure they can they can offer something a little healthier <laughs> as well. Beautiful, mate. Well, it's a uh, great story. Great to have a turnaround story on uh, on Talkie Book. And if it's half as good as your uh, your last episode, there'll be some very happy punters out there. Thanks for coming back on. Great. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks, Brad. This episode of Talkie Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.